Well, hello. Still sober with John Raven. Hi, everybody. If you're a sober person, hope you're staying sober. If you're not a sober person, hope you're staying sane. Hope you're having a good week. Uh, Christmas is coming. The holidays. I never liked. That's not true. I just, I, I wasn't over enthusiastic about the holidays for a long time, but uh, ever since I started dating my wife, like I've actually, like her love of the holidays has been infectious to me and it's weird. So it's, it's like, you know, get dre- decorating the tree and putting up lights and everything else and, um, and getting ready for it. Um, uh, like slowly over the years, every year I've gotten a little bit more to the point where like for the first time, and I can't remember probably since I was a kid, I didn't mind Christmas music. Like last year, the last couple of years, I think it was, maybe it was 2021. I don't know. It was like I, I started going, yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Let's listen to some Christmas music. Why not? And then last year, I'm fine with the Mariah Carey song that's overplayed. It's either personal growth or aging into not giving a shit. It's one of the t- one of the two. Not really sure. But that's what's happening. So, hooray, right? Anyway, that's what's... I'm just used to it. I'm just... Uh, Christmas movies, whatever. I'm, uh, I'm all about it. It's, uh, it's made me more uh, laid back. Definitely uh, a good month so far. It's like, all right, yeah, my spirits are up. Um, I uh, have a little bit of, uh, more tolerance for bullshit overall. So it's been good. I hope your month has been good so far. And I know the holidays are hard for people who are trying not to drink. Um, it's a lot harder if you're alone. If you isolate yourself. So the idea during during the holidays, during um, any kind of tough times, it's always to make sure that you're surrounded by uh, friends and family. And that's why I think in recovery, different people say um, that if you don't have friends and family that support your sobriety or that uh, maybe they party too much. That's why you need, you get new friends. That's the whole thing. You know, when they, uh, 12 steps, 12 steppers always talking about people, places and things. And it's an annoying cliche. You know, like, Oh God, anytime you hear it, it's people's go-to. Remember you need to change people, places and things when you're going and you just like, shut the fuck up and you're right to do it. You're right to feel shut the fuck up because it's annoying. However, that doesn't mean it's not wrong. 
Oh, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's wrong. That doesn't mean it's not wrong means that it's wrong. Let me do that over. That doesn't mean it's wrong because it is correct. Most things that turn into a cliche come from truth. You just, you know, it just gets overused. This particular one, not overused. The idea is that you change things that will make you revert and go back to the way you were. That's the, that's the short of it. You just, you don't change everything. You don't drop everything and say, deuces, fuck all of y'all. And then to just start a whole new, you know, you change your identity and you move to a new city. Like, I think it's, it's, you know, within reason. You're talking about you slowly change things that are negative influences on you. You weed that out so that you can continue your new thing. And I'll get, but um, real quick, I forgot to mention. So I had shows last weekend. I actually headlined the Velveeta Room, and um, it was an it was an odd weekend because. It, uh, temperature dropped and when a temperature drops in Texas and here in Austin and it's windy, when it's really windy and it's cold, all of a sudden, it's not that people don't go out. They just don't wander around sightseeing. You can't, the Velveeta room where I played. A lot of the traffic that you get is barked in. A lot of the people, the customers come in. That's that's what makes that room weird is that it's not like uh, sometimes it'll be a room full of people who paid in advance to be there. But a lot of the times you've got people who were not expecting to see a comedy show. They got barked in off the street. And so it's a mixed bag. It makes it a very unique audience uh, experience. A very unique experience. You don't know what kind of audience you're going to get. and uh, Or any audience. And that was the case on Saturday. I had two shows. I had 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. The 8 o'clock show was packed. And the 10 o'clock show did not go on because there was no audience. Never had that happen. Never had. Usually what happens if you get a show that's canceled is because it's just a slow night. And like one show is sparse, but the other show is, is, you know. And then the other show is nothing. So it's, it's sparse and then nothing. It's never like, hey, and then what? So, but the show on Friday was fun. The show on Saturday was really fun. I was not, I did not do well. Like I was not at the top of my game, but I was, like I was loose because I was experimenting on being real loose. And the experiment went really well on Friday. I had a nice, uh, I had a nice vibe going. And on Saturday, it didn't go as well, but it was super fun. Because the audience was with me. So they were actually being very 
I think that they enjoyed seeing me kind of play around. It was not my best, but it was a lot of fun. Like I experimented with some things that I had, were only partially written. And um, the audience was, was nice to confirm that um, they were partially written and not good. So, <laughs> um, which is always interesting to, to have a joke bomb and then have it kill by bombing, by, by pointing out how bad it bombed and why it was not good and all that. It was just, it was a lot of fun. I bring up the, uh, the shows cause eh, let you know how it went. But, uh, uh, but also because on the, uh, the show that got canceled, um, we had three people show up and they had, uh, paid to see me because, uh, and one of the, one of the individuals, um, was uh, celebrating their six-month uh, sobriety date. Six-month birthday, if you will. Um, but it's a six-month sobriety date. But they thought that they would check that out. And um, another one of the people had a uh, said that their partner was, uh, what was it? It was three years, five years? I think, no, 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 no. It was nine years. It was nine years uh, clean and sober from heroin. So that was my perfect audience, and I wish that they had seen me because you got one person who, um, you know, related to heroin addiction and one person um, directly connected to um, alcoholism. And those are my, um, those are my lanes. That's, uh, that's, that's what I know. So, unfortunately, they didn't get to see any of the... Uh, uh, jokes that I do on that stuff. Although, you know, they are online, some of them. Um, I did have some new stuff, but uh, um, I talked to them. I got. To, I wanted to sit down and talk to them for a little bit, and then uh, I uh, really promoted this podcast, so they might be listening. So thank you for listening. I warned you. I told you this is a shitty podcast and that it was more of a diary than a podcast. I do not have a guest. Is there a guest today? There is not a guest today. Just like there wasn't a guest last week, but uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the weekly diary, um, and a uh, this is you know, my meeting, if you will. A question did come up though that I need to address. I mean, it wasn't a question; it was kind of a, it's in the discussion, but uh, it formed into a question later in my head over the next couple of days and I was thinking about it. And that question is this, which is how long are you supposed to go to meetings? If you're in the 12 step program, right? That is the question. How long? And this might be a question best uh, addressed by people who have been sober for a long time, but actually went, became sober through AA or NACA or any of the other 12-step programs, um, which I did not. And if this is the first time 
listening to my uh, portion of my story, just to clarify. So I was in 12 step multiple times, but ultimately I got, uh, I got clean off of heroin in 2011 through, by going through rehab in that rehab that there was 12 step and then did 12 step meetings. Um, after getting off of heroin, I ended up going back to alcohol because I was in San Antonio and there was nothing else to do. <laughs> no, it's, it just, I, I was, I was washing dishes. I was, uh, yeah, I was bored. And I thought I wasn't driving. This should be fine. Turns out you can get yourself in trouble and arrested. Even if you don't own a car or drive. Yeah, it just, it, you keep progressing. It's going to happen. So, um, but ultimately, um, I quit drinking. Not because of 12 step, because I quit going. But because of getting arrested while being on probation, they violated my, pro violated, they revoked my probation. I violated my probation, but they revoked it. And then I ended up having to do a treatment program in jail. So I, I went back, I went to jail and then did a treatment program in jail. So basically I got locked up for six months, but I had uh, ended up quitting drinking before I went. Like I made the decision, I think, so ultimately what, um, the way I, I got sober is I made the decision that I was done and that I was going to be, that I was not going to be, uh, be a 40 year old in a, alone in a bar that I was not, I was not going to be that guy. So I quit, then found out that because of that I was going to go to jail. So I quit drinking, then went to jail, stayed in jail for a month, then got transferred to a treatment program. And I use that term loosely because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not the most effective. It's a county sponsored program. So if you know anything about, uh, if you have eyes, you've noticed that, uh, County, local government, state government, national government programs run by them aren't a well oiled machine. So, but six months off the street, six months out of uh, basically doing nothing but focusing on yourself is pretty good. It's pretty nice. And that's the whole thing is that when people find out, like, I don't want to, you know, how did you get sober if, uh, you know, if I don't want to do, I, oh, I just dropped that thing. How did I do that? I just knocked a thing off my desk. So if you're not, uh, anyway, if you're not going to go, that's the whole thing is like, oh, I don't want to do 12 step program. What should I do? Well, if you, you could do what I do, which is, uh, get yourself rested, get on, or get on probation. Like, fuck up, get on probation, then fuck up again and get your probation revoked and then go to jail for six months. A cheaper, more viable 
solution is to try to get sober in a 12-step program. It might, that might work better for you. Um, which, all right, so, so am I qualified enough to answer the question, how long are you supposed to go to meetings? I don't know. I can only tell you what I think, which is that you don't stop going to meetings because you don't like them or because they're inconvenient. You stop going to meetings when you don't need them is the answer, I believe. Now, how do you know when you don't need them? I think you kind of know. I think, I think it's real easy to ignore the truth and be all like, I don't want to do it. But you say you don't want to do it. You say you don't want to go. You say you don't want to do that thing. But deep down inside, you know you need to. That was actually how I, when, when getting out of jail after six months, focusing on you know, changing my view on life and, and forming better habits and better thinking by using uh, Zen philosophy, the four agreements, and just um, excerpts of uh, Fight Club, the book. <laughs> um, and just doing things differently than I had before. Um, when I got out after six months, I was on probation again. And I had different things. I had to carry around a breathalyzer. Had had a bunch of hoops I had to jump through. But <clears throat> there were a lot of things in the same way that meetings that you feel like you're like, okay, you know, sometimes I enjoy these, but a lot of times I don't enjoy these, but I need to do it. That's how, that's what kind of motivated me into doing things and changing things that I need to do or do things that I need to work on and change things. I did it by, by tackling things that I didn't want to do because that's how I knew. Well, I don't want to do this. That means that I need to. And I, and that's just that, that's how I focused on getting stuff done. You know, one work, working on me. I just did things that I wasn't, that I didn't want to do. Knowing that that was something I had to do. And it was just, and it's slow. It's, it's a, you know, a, you know, inch by inch, just it's slow progression forward. So, you know, I do not think that there is a, um, cause you're going to get, you're going to get different opinions from some people because I, there are some people that have been sober 20 years and they still go to meetings, which blows my mind. I'm dumbfounded that somebody would still be going to meetings after 20 years. Because it tell you know, because my opinion is, is that they haven't filled their lives with something else so that AA became like filled the empty gap that they had. It sort of became a, their, 
um, their hobby, their, you know, part-time job, whatever. Like it's just this kind of thing. It's the big portion of their life. Um, if they're happy with that, there's not, you know, then why not? But a lot of people don't want to do that. Some people just want to go in and out. They don't want uh, a big, you know, they don't want friendships in AA. It's like, this is just, I just need this to help me with this. And I think it, you need to uh, go as many times as you need while you're trying to figure shit out. Um, and while you're listening to your sponsor and you're listening to people's advice at the beginning, at some point, you need to understand that um, people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They know what worked for them. But you don't know how well it worked for them. So you just take all advice with a grain of salt and you pay attention to you. You're going to know if you need to keep going. You're going to need to know if, you know, because I think you do. I think if you, if you're, if you get self-awareness to a right level, then you'll know, no, I need to keep doing meetings. No, I need to go twice a week. No, I need to go today. You know, the, I don't feel like going today is not the reason to, to not go because it's easy to slide back into, I don't feel like it. And then I don't feel like doing this. Well, I don't feel like uh, bettering myself. Well, I don't feel like, uh, helping somebody else out on something, getting out of myself. Well, I don't feel like this. And, and it just, it'll spiral into, well, you know what? I've done pretty well. You know, I, I deserve this. And then, you know, that leads, well, I've done well so far. Maybe I, I do deserve, I bet I could handle one drink. You know, it, this, it's, it's, it, it, it always leads back to that. So you got to be vigilant on that. But um, but that's the thing is that I, I don't think that there is a solid answer to it. Um, AA is interesting. It's interesting that, that that's your main option because rehab is not affordable. I wish rehab was available for everybody. Also, I wish it was socially acceptable. I wish people talked about rehab as much as they talked about, like, like at work, that you could talk about rehab, like you could go to rehab and then come back to your job and your life and talk about it like, a, like it's, you went on vacation. Hey, Bob, how is rehab? Oh, it's great. I worked on myself, found out about my control issues. It's good, man. It was good. It was good to get away. Rehab's great because if it's a good one, if it's if it's a solid one, you're spending 30 to 60 um, days focusing on you and not, you know, it's not like regular um, therapy where you go and you lie to a, 
your therapist and you don't tell them about, you know, you talk about your anxiety, but you don't mention that you're taking a, a friend of yours Adderall. So they don't know you're on a prescription that's not yours. You know, you lie to them and not don't don't divulge everything. And then they're so they're trying to figure you out uh, without all the information. Also, if you've got a therapist, there's chances are they're probably not very good because you can afford them. If you can afford a therapist and you're like regular everybody else, they're probably not, they're probably as good as you can afford. So, so I understand that mental health is important, but, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of lip service. And then the therapy that you use is nowhere near as good as group therapy, small group therapy, um, individual therapy sessions that you have every day for 30 to 45 straight days where you you're called out on your own bullshit you're called out on your bullshit because you're surrounded by other people who are liars like you and uh, you know it i wish everybody could could go to rehab like not even just people with uh, addiction issues, just people with problems. Instead of going to therapy, I wish they went to rehab. Just had a crash course and working on them. Uh, and I wish the government paid for it. Yes. But uh, unfortunately, no, you got to deal with the uh, un with AA. The 12-step program developed by men in the 40s who didn't want to, you know, who didn't want to seem weak, who couldn't go to therapy because they were men. So they invented this little secret anonymous club. But, uh, yeah, keep going. Keep going to meetings until you don't need them, not until you don't want them or don't like them. I don't think anybody does. Really lonely people might like them. People who like the attention, like, oh, let me talk for five minutes. This will be great. But keep going. Stillsoberpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments that are positive to neutral. Appreciate it, you guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week, all right? Later. Telephone line.